Springs New Song family, and welcome to our podcast on worship leading. We are so excited to bring this particular podcast to you, which is geared towards the experienced worship leader. And worship leading in general and worship leading for the experienced worship leader is something that we have talked a lot about as a leadership team in the New Song family. It's something we've spent a lot of time cultivating, these tools, these ideas, these philosophies, even theology. So we're very eager to share with you the fruit of that within the New Song family. In addition to the fruit of years of ministry, specifically in worship leading for Chris in particular, both on staff at churches and as a lay leader at churches. So let's jump in. Great. Okay. The first thing we're going to talk about is definitions here. When we say experienced worship leader, here's what we mean. These two things. Number one, this is somebody who is advanced with their instrument. And number two, this is somebody with several years of worship leading experience. And I'm talking about specifically leading a large group of people in worship. So that's what I mean. This is not necessarily addressing somebody who for the past couple years has been leading a small group. The reason that this is important is because that particular individual, an experienced worship leader, has a lot of information about worship methodologies. They've been trained in many ways regarding how to lead a room of people, a a large room of people into worship, and a lot of those things have to be unlearned. When it comes to unlearning and untraining, I want to discuss four key points, four key areas where we need to unlearn and untrain. The first being, let's let go of worship leading methodologies. I mentioned that a second ago. I know of many different methodologies that churches like to employ in the worship leading process. For example, call to worship, uh, five elements of worship, tabernacle pattern. There's the harp and bowl model. There's the Isaiah 6 model. There's the Revelation 320 model and many others. And the thing I want to point out is that these are beautiful. These are really fantastic methods of leading worship that have helped churches for years, decades, in fact, I would say generations, in terms of getting a large group of people all on board and moving in the same direction in the worship experience. So we don't have anything against those methods. They're beautiful. They have great purpose. They have great function. However, what we're talking about in New Song is laying down those methods and yielding to the Holy Spirit each time we meet to see what method He wants, what method He delights in, what Jesus wants from us each time we meet instead of assuming that it's going to be one particular method or another. That's right. And as with all these other amazing methods, we want to base that mentality and that practice that Chris just articulated on Scripture. And I want to share with you first from Philippians 3, verse 3. And Paul is talking to the Philippian church, and he says to them, For we are, as the church, we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So what Chris just described are 
ways that a worship leader can change or shift how they lead worship based on responses to what's happening in the flesh, based on their own flesh responses. And that's the very thing that Paul is addressing here. In other words, our worship is not based on our flesh. It's not based on our performance. It's not based on whether we're a Jew or a Gentile. It's not based on whether we're circumcised or uncircumcised. We don't put confidence in anything that we bring to the table. Paul is stating here to the Philippians, the only thing we put confidence in, the only thing that we take glory in is Christ Jesus moving in the spirit of Jesus and bringing glory to Jesus himself. So that is the first basis for our worship as a new song family. The second comes from John chapter four, and this is going to be a scripture that probably all of you are familiar with. This is Jesus's encounter with the woman at the well. And within the conversation that he's having with this woman who is not a Jew, who does not worship at the temple, who does not follow the Torah, he explains to her as she questions him about Jewish worship, starting in verse 23, he says, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. So our goal as a New Song family is to worship the Father, to worship the Son, and to worship the Spirit through the empowerment that the Holy Spirit gives us and through the truth of alignment with the Word of God and alignment with the truth of His Spirit. So as we do that, as we worship in the, in the freedom of the Spirit, in the leading of the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit, and the in the alignment of the truth of the Spirit, then we will become the true worshipers that the Father is seeking. And as Chris said, that is going to take some unlearning for a lot of us, most especially for the experienced worship leader. The experienced worship leader is going to have the hardest time with this above everyone else. And that's why we want to share these things from our heart with you. Amen. That's right. The other thing is, it's going to be different every single time we meet. And we may have similarities from one Sunday to the next, but the key thing is we're led by the Holy Spirit in what He wants to do today. And that may look similar to last Sunday. It may look radically different based solely upon the direction of the Holy Spirit, not based on our emotions, our preferences, uh, whether or not we're celebrating a holiday or a special season. It's not going to be based on the room's atmosphere. And this is a big one. It's not going to be based on the atmosphere that's created by visitors that are coming for the first time. It's not going to be impacted by the atmosphere from awkwardness or from an unbeliever in the room. We're not going to cater to those things. We're going to focus on how the Holy Spirit is directing worship to go. That's right. The Holy Spirit has a fresh new agenda that is God-breathed every time we get together. And our greatest goal is to literally tap into what's on His heart each time we gather together. And where the unlearning comes into place here is it, it does away with the mentality of, 
we have a formula of how we do worship. Having this new mentality, so to speak, of, okay, Lord, what's on your heart today for worship? How do you want us to enter in? What is that going to look like? What are the manifestations of that going to be? How long do you want us to worship? What kind of worship are you asking us for? All of those components are going to be based not on a formula that we follow, but on what is on the Holy Spirit's heart for today, for now. And that is what we want to tap into every time we gather. Even so, even if it's different from one Sunday to the next, there should always be these commonalities. Number one, we should always be glorifying Jesus. Amen. And number two, we need to keep it simple. I'm talking about the worship leader. His role is to not overcomplicate things. So Chris, explain to us then what it would be like to keep things simple, but also bring in that element of doing things with excellence. I know there may be some experienced worship leaders who have been trained, and rightly so, to approach their worship leading time in a larger setting with a mentality of doing everything with great excellence, mm-hmm. with a very high bar standard. Right. Tell us what that looks like then to keep it simple. Does that mean we have to do away with that mentality of doing it with excellence? Well, that's a great question. Yes and no. So there are definitely aspects of excellence that we are to pursue as far as worship leading is concerned. We need to bring him our very best. We need to bring him our whole heart. We need to bring him all of our skill. We need to bring him our time. So each of these factors and more represent how we pursue him in excellence. However, that's very different than saying that the screen needs to be lit up perfectly, that the smoke machine has to be creating the right environment in the room, that the lights have to be creating just the right amount of tension on the stage, etc. What we've done with excellence is we've shifted that over into performance. And there's a huge difference between bringing the Lord our excellent performance and bringing the Lord our excellent worship. And I believe one of the ways that we, as worship leaders, can get back to excellent worship is by simplifying things. That's right. I think... I think to wrap that up would be this thought, and that is that the Lord's idea of excellence and the Lord's idea of excellent worship is probably so radically different than ours as as humans from our human perspective. And I do believe that we superimpose our performance-based mentality on top of worship so frequently that we lose sight of what the heart of the Father is. Coming back to this John 4 passage where Jesus says, this is what the Father is seeking. He's seeking for those who worship him with two things, in spirit and in truth. And that is the Father's heart. And so everything else that we might as humans consider to be excellence can oftentimes be ditched in the pursuit of the heart of the Father in spirit and in truth. And it's that kind of offering done wholeheartedly, just as Paul says, we are to do all things wholeheartedly. As we bring that kind of offering, that fragrance arises to the Father with beauty and with a genuine pleasing of his heart. That brings us to point number two. In terms of things to let go, 
Worship leaders, listen to me. You've got to begin to let go of a set list mentality. This is really tough to do for some of us because we've been trained to become completely dependent on the schedule, the agenda, and a set list helps get us there. But we want to break that off. And the first way to do that is by not coming in with six or seven songs. In fact, I'm going to challenge you to come in with just a few, two to three songs, maybe four. And here's how that should happen, I believe. During the week, in your quiet time, throughout the day, allow the Holy Spirit to bring to your mind a couple songs that are on His heart. Because you're the worship leader for this house church, these songs that He brings to your heart would be a reflection of songs that are on His heart for the body to be singing this next Sunday morning or this next Wednesday night or whenever you meet as a group. Let go of a list of songs and focus on the two, three, maybe four songs that the Holy Spirit brings to your attention during the week. They just really stand out from your own worship time or or from something that you're listening in the car as you're driving to work, whatever the case may be. Bring those songs to the corporate worship setting and then be ready to see what other themes he develops in the room during worship. Mm, That's so good, honey. And then this is closely related to number three, which is we've got to let go of a time constraint mentality. Now, many worship leaders are blessed with a church environment where they have a lot of freedom, a lot of time flexibility in worship, and they can go on for over an hour. And that's fantastic. So this would not be that difficult of a mindset change for that particular kind of worship leader. However, most of us come from environments where there are built-in time restraints because there's so much that has to be accomplished on any Sunday morning. There's the announcements, there's the message, there's the programs. All of these things have to be fit in one way or another. And so a lot of times worship gets the short end of the stick. So if it's a very busy Sunday, it might be a 15-minute worship Sunday. If it's not, then there might be 20 minutes at the front and another 10 minutes at the back or something like that. And my brother or sister, worship leader, here's what I'm going to ask you to do is to begin to walk in freedom. Mm. (laughs) I'm going to break that off of you and release you to walk in freedom regarding leading worship in our home churches because our priority is to exalt the King of Kings, to lavish Him with praise. Remember, this goes back to our fundamentals of who we are, our core value. We believe that everything that we do as a church together, even when we meet, flows out of worship. We're setting that table for Him. We're lavishing Him with praise. We give that first priority If the Holy Spirit clearly directs the room that we do nothing but that for the rest of our time together, then so be it. That's what we'll focus on. His call, His direction, His leading, not the clock. That's right. And, you know, I just want to encourage and exhort you as well that one thing that Chris and I have realized after being in ministry for years is that oftentimes a worship leader who comes out of a church environment where there is a weekly time constraint on the worship, and, you know, that might look different from church to church, but nevertheless, a time constraint. And what we see is that for worship leaders who are coming out of that environment, they have been so used to living with a ceiling on them, living under a ceiling of constraint 
that it's very difficult for them to ditch that and move into this new area, new experience of freedom. Because that's what we're talking about here. As we lean into the Holy Spirit's leading, as we get rid of a time-constraint mentality, what we're actually stepping into is freedom. This is the place that we're moving towards. This is our goal, is to be so free in the Spirit that if He says, I want you to worship for 10 minutes and then have an hour and a half preach, that's what we do. If He says, I want you to worship for an hour and a half and have a 10-minute preach, that's what we do, or something in between. It really doesn't matter. So my exhortation for you is be willing to do some self-examination that as you step into this new freedom, if you still feel like you've got that ceiling on you in the spirit, so to speak, if you still feel like it's hovering over you, this, this need to constrain the time for worship, begin to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to break that off of you and ask Him to show you perhaps even other things that are connected to that ceiling for worship. There may be other things that you are coming out of from old leadership experiences that need to be broken off of you, whether they are spiritual or mental or just your muscle memory. Ask the Lord to begin to set you free from those things. Mm, Yeah, that's good. And so... Speaking of breaking that off, point number four, let's break off our, I'm going to call it our love affair with songs. Songs are just tools. And here's something that I find often when it comes to us worship leaders, the psychology, the emotional aspect for us worship leaders. We really connect with songs. Songs are very meaningful to us. And I do believe that they're meaningful to the Father, too. But here's the thing. While some songs are clearly better than others, we have no idea heaven's perspective on favorite songs. And I can think of times where I've been lost in worship closer to the throne room than I've ever been before through just a simple phrase in spontaneous worship. Mm -hmm. That even compared with these really powerful, well-written anthems. Yeah. Now, those really move me and stir my soul, and they're beautiful, and some of them are really well-written. We have so many wonderful songs today. And there is always a place for those songs. It may not be in our corporate worship gathering, but the songs that the Lord gives like that have such a place in the body, even if it's not in our Sunday morning gathering. Yeah, and I think that the key thing to remember is that, look, heaven has heard it all. Heaven is the the birthplace of inspiration for these songs. And, And I know that we may have an emotional attachment to a particular song and really believe that everybody's supposed to sing that for one particular morning. But the the challenge that I'm bringing you, my beloved brother or sister, is hear from the Holy Spirit. What's Jesus's favorite song for this particular get together? What's on his heart? It may be totally different than your favorite song. It may be radically different than the thing that's pressing your heart right now. So ask the Holy Spirit. There are many times when it's not until we let go of a powerful anthem, something that has almost a formulaic response for us as a congregation. It's not until we let go of that that we truly enter into intimate worship corporately. 
Amen. I, I think what can happen with some of these amazing songs, especially songs that people become very familiar with because they're used, you know, worldwide across the church or something like that, is that there becomes this pre-programmed emotional response. You know, you have a song that has a couple of verses and then a bridge and a chorus, and there's this build throughout the song. And by the time you get to the chorus, there is this large emotional response because there's this large sound coming from the band. There's multiple voices going after it in harmony, and, and it's all geared to build the song to that apex. And as the church, what we can do is we can follow into that formulaic response of, oh my gosh, they're playing that song. Wow, when we get to the chorus of that song, worship will be awesome. It'll be mm -hmm. so good. But the question is, is it really that we've entered into worship in spirit and in truth? Or is it that our emotions have been pre-programmed to go to a certain place because of all of the elements of the song that we've experienced? And that's a very important question that we as worship leaders have to ask ourselves as we begin to let those things be stripped away and ask the Father, what is on your heart? What will bless your heart, Lord? Mm -hmm. How can we minister to your heart, yeah. Jesus? Yeah, amen. Well said. So now that we've talked about the four things to unlearn, let's walk through a few practical steps to take and what it actually looks like. The first thing is start with two to four songs that have been highlighted through the week, as I mentioned earlier. And I want to point out, remember that those songs should be focused on adoration of the King. There may be a time in our worship that our attention is turned toward how the Holy Spirit makes us feel, how His love affects us. In other words, a focus on us. But we want to launch and we want to focus the bulk of our worship time on Jesus. So think about that subtle difference, how quickly our attention in worship songs turn from Jesus to how I feel because of Jesus. And that is an important expression, but it's not what we want to bring him in this moment. What we want to do is adoration. So focus on two to four songs, mostly adoration oriented, that have been highlighted through the week. Bring those songs, and here's the second point. Focus on the chorus and the bridge. That's the keep it simple part that I was talking about earlier. If you feel like the verse really needs to be included, then call it out for the group. Remember, we're in a home church setting. We don't have a projector on, and we're trying to actually intentionally get away from that. What we want to do is create an environment where each worshiper can sing from his or her heart and not be focused on printed words. So occasionally there'll be times where you're going to want the verse included, so call it out for the group. Okay, an exception would be if you're bringing a new song to the group or a wordy song, then cast those lyrics to the TV. All right, so those are the basic ground rules regarding your songs and your song selection and how to present them. Now, once you have those songs, listen carefully to this. Don't move along from one song to the next. This is the key component of our style of worship here at New Song. Linger. We want to take our time. We're not interested in getting through a set of songs. The Holy Spirit highlighted those songs for a reason, 
and we want to park on them. So you launch on a song, you hang out there. You go back to a phrase that seems to be important in that moment for the group. You repeat it. You try alternating an, a verse. You try bringing in a different word in place of the original key word. You see how the Holy Spirit leads you regarding that song. You create space. You create room for new song. You create room for spontaneous worship. You create room for prophetic worship. You create space for the congregation to get engaged in creative and unique ways. So linger. Take your time. Don't bust through the set. I would say that lingering is probably one of the key distinctives of new song worship. And because of that, it's also one of the elements of our worship that causes people, both worship leader and worshiper, to feel most uncomfortable. <laughs> In fact, I, I think for all of us, the more we linger, the more we press past our preset mentalities mm -hmm. of time limits, time constraints, what worship should look like, and allow ourselves to just sit at the feet of Jesus, the more uncomfortable we can become until we are so used to lingering that it becomes our new comfort zone. And whenever that happens, it's inevitable that the Lord always takes us out of that into a new thing. But the point is, linger past your comfort zone and linger past the comfort zone of the worshipers. If you feel the Holy Spirit saying, wait, don't move on. I'm doing something here. Just wait on me. Then push past that urge or that need to perform, that urge or that need to create something that causes everybody to have that sigh of relief, like, okay, we're moving into more comfortable churchy territory and just wait until the Holy Spirit shows up. Yeah, that's good. So when, when we're talking about not moving along from one song to the next and lingering, that leads right into creating open space. Now look, as a worship leader with your instrument, you need to use your instrument to facilitate that open space to guide the congregation and the flow of that open space. You're going to do that dynamically. You're going to be building and releasing. You're going to be switching to whole notes so that there's the sense of space that you're creating. You're going to facilitate the room through your instrument, whether or not singing is happening in the moment. The next thing is you need to engage and encourage the room. You need to push the room forward toward spontaneous worship, prophetic worship, and new song into quietness and stillness, into celebration, into warring, into whatever is on the Holy Spirit's heart. You need to move us there. And that leads to this last point here, which is keep an eye on the group leaders looking for their cues. There are going to be those in the room who are very much in tune spiritually to what the Holy Spirit is doing in the room. And you want to keep eye contact with them. You want to be aware of what they're sensing. And there may be times where they actually come up beside you and whisper in your ear and say, just stay right here. Or go back to that previous phrase. There was something on that phrase. So pay attention and keep open communication. You need to be very sensitive to how the other leaders in the room are sensing what is happening. 
which includes when they speak out, you need to drop the dynamic down as they speak. When they address the room, you need to carve the music around it. In addition to that, go along with where they're going. So, for example, if there is a prophetic theme or even a biblical theme that seems to be present in the room, you pick up that baton and begin to sing into that theme that the Lord is clearly speaking for the room. And then the final point here in the practical implementation is pay attention to the exit. (laughs) And this is something that every worship leader has to work on. And this goes back to the previous point of keeping an eye on the other leaders in the room. For example, if you're a piano player and your back's on everybody, that's really tough to do. You're going to have to work really hard to pay attention to the leaders because there may be a Holy Spirit-led transition out of worship into the next thing, and you're the last one to know in the room. And it's just because everything shifts and you're still playing. And so, watch for that kind of transition happening and the signals from the other leaders in the room. And when that happens, don't just abruptly stop, fade out. Again, for many worship leaders, this last main point that Chris has been addressing is going to be a point of major unlearning for you because so often we can have the mentality as a worship leader that worship in a service is all about the music and the songs. And once we get to the end of the music and the songs, we're at the end of worship. Rather than having an understanding that worship is very multifaceted, that the dynamic of entering into the presence of the King of Kings actually includes many different things, and music is just a facilitation for those different dynamics that are all coming together in this creative swirl, so to speak, that lead us into the throne room in the deepest possible way. So paying attention to the leaders in the room or even the other worshipers in the room, but most specifically the leaders, is going to actually be facilitating the deepest level of worship. Because what you're going to be doing is you're going to be tapping into those who hear prophetically. You're going to be tapping into those who get a word or a scripture. You're going to be making space for those who have an exhortation. You're going to be allowing the Holy Spirit dynamic to flow and weave all these things together into the sum total that will be worship for the day rather than carrying the mentality of, well, I'm the worship leader. We're worshiping in songs and anything else is an interruption when that's the farthest thing from the truth. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Let's let's just now, as we're concluding, let's take a couple minutes and actually go through a practice run of how you would launch worship. Because I think if we can really get down the key tools of launching the worship set, then a lot of the other pieces fall into place. Let's say, for example, the song that's been on your heart all week is highest praise or you deserve it all. So the first thing you want to do is address the group or maybe one of the other leaders beside yourself can address the group and say, hey, we're going to jump into worship right now and let's all stand up. So you or one of the other leaders is going to ask the group, let's stand up. This could be a good opportunity to remind the group why we're there. We're here to lavish the King of Kings with praise. We're here to focus entirely on Him. And then the next thing that you want to do is just begin playing the chord progression 
of that song that's on your heart. We give you the highest praise. You deserve it all. But you're just going to be playing the chord progression. And the first thing that you want to do as you play that chord progression is just allow the room to shift. Just the music being played, just that act itself is going to help those in the room begin to transition out of coffee and fellowship and community and all the things that have happened in their morning or in their day. And they're going to start to focus, refocus, if you will, on why we're here. Just provide that opportunity for the group to catch up and to become ready. Then you can begin not singing the words, but just to call out your praise to the Lord. Just begin to sing out a phrase or an expression to the Lord. Oh, Jesus, you worthy God, you worthy God, all our praise, all our praise. And as you begin to do that, then you'll see the room coming alongside you. And the rest of the people in the room will begin to add their voices in just this, this initial new song and spontaneous worship that's happening in the room. And you're not in a hurry. Again, you're not in a hurry to get through your set list. There's just this sense of His presence in the room coming in, touching hearts. And you can slowly begin now to transition to building it up a little bit, to increasing the dynamics and the volume as the rest of the room is entering in and voices are increasing. And there's just this chorus of praises, of new song expressions coming from the whole room. And you, you can meet that. You can raise to that with your instruments. And you can be singing in along with the group too, but don't overwhelm the group with your voice. Just facilitate. Just facilitate. And this may go on for quite some time. It usually does. And actually, there may be times where you go right from here into the whole room erupting into other songs. And you're thinking, I haven't even done my key song yet. <laughs> but just let the Holy Spirit move in the room. And then at some point, what's going to happen is you'll find an opportunity to, with your instrument, guide the group. Once you soften it again, the room will pay attention to where you're going. And you'll be able to transition. You deserve it all. You deserve it all. We give you the highest praise. You deserve it all. You deserve it all. Now as the whole room is entering in with you now and singing this song, 
and say, come on, church, press in and just really continue to encourage them to go deeper, to lift their voice and to give him everything and to be extravagant in their worship. But oftentimes you'll find that they're already there. So when you do it, when you take your time like this and create space, and the Holy Spirit can lead how He wants, then suddenly you find that two to three songs can't even be accomplished in your worship set. There have been times where I've done an hour and a half worship just with two and a half songs. Because it's not about the song that you choose. No matter how great of a song it is, no matter what an excellent facilitator of His presence that song may be, there's so much more that He wants to do in that room through the other voices in the room, through spontaneous worship, through prophetic worship, through singing out Scripture, and then weaving in this chorus here and that verse there. So pay attention to those moments. Be yielded to the Spirit. Let go of the training and the styles that you've spent most of your career learning. And let's yield to the Holy Spirit as we lift Him up. I hope you've enjoyed today's teaching on Worship Leading at New Song for experienced worship leaders. Thanks for being here.